Hi, and welcome to another edition of Menopause Buddies. Today, I'm joined by Natasha. Natasha works in HR. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Great. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, would you like to tell the listeners a, li- a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Natasha. I'm 47. I am in a medical menopause. Um, so when Annie contacted me to talk on the podcast, I was really keen to do this just to give another perspective on different types of menopause, really. So do you want to take us through that, you know, how you've gone into medical menopause? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's been an incredibly long journey. Um I think my menopause journey started at a very young age in my teenage years, really, when I started my periods. Um, I found it incredibly painful, difficult, and I I seemed to be the only one that I knew that was going through this amount of pain every month. It seemed very bizarre. Or, Or actually, I felt that I was maybe a little bit mad. Was I feeling this pain more than everybody else? Um, So after trips to the doctors and being placed on the pill, all of these things that you don't really understand at that age, um, it took me till I was 23, so 10 years of painful periods to be diagnosed with endometriosis. Which That must have been a relief, I guess, not that it it was was a relief. It was huge, yeah. Yeah, huge relief. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a huge relief because up until that point, it had been very negative. Um, I was told by male and female GPs that all women got period pains. Um, And I can remember being told quite abruptly in one meeting with a GP that all women had period pains and she basically shooed me out of the door. Wow. (laughs) You know, so... No, not great at all. Not a great experience for me, um, but also showed the the huge lack of understanding at that stage of what this condition may have been. I certainly wasn't aware of anybody else with this condition at that point. And I guess it was Google was probably wasn't around then, was it, to uh, no. <laughs> find out more about it? So you really were on your own. Absolutely on my own, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until somebody said that this is what it may be that I looked into it further. Wow. And then what happened once you were diagnosed with it? Did did that make it easier or what did you have to do? It gave me an understanding of what I was going through every month, um, definitely. Um, I was put in contact with a really lovely consultant who'd just come back from America who'd learned some very new techniques to deal with this, to cut the endometriosis away rather than burn it away or use hormone treatment to try and mask the problem. So I had my first operation then, which was a huge relief. The the pain was alleviated immediately. Even the pain of the procedure was still not as much as the pain as I I had been in previously. Wow. Do do you want to maybe explain to the listeners, because perhaps not everyone's familiar with endometriosis and mm-hmm. what it is and, and also what it feels like when you're actually going through it. Yeah, com- absolutely. So endometriosis is a condition where the lining of your womb can grow excessively. It can stay within your womb or in my case, it can grow outside of the womb. So it can stick to other organs. Um, in my case, I had it on my kidneys. 
it was on my bowel, on my bladder. My bowel and bladder had stuck to my back. Wow. So it was incredibly painful. I used to pass out with pain. I lived every day on painkillers. It was rare that I didn't have painkillers every day. Goodness. And 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 so you were going through all of this and, and, and you still weren't being taken any notice of by the medical? No, profession. none whatsoever. No. Goodness. So you, so you had your first operation and that worked. And, and, and then what happened? So that was at 23. I was pretty much told at that point because of the very early understanding of endometriosis that I'd probably be infertile. So at 23, that wasn't high up my agenda. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't really compute the the gravitas of that conversation. I just thought, oh, well, can't have children. Never mind. Um, so I think I had about another four operations between then and when I was about 29. And very fortunately for me, much of a surprise, I did fall pregnant when I was oh. 29. So I'm very lucky. I know there are a lot of people out there yeah. who have endometriosis and cannot have children. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I've got a son. He's a very happy and healthy son as well. Yeah. So and my pregnancy was pretty much textbook. So presumably the hormones from pregnancy then um, put the endometriosis into remission, does it? Well, it stops you producing your hormones that aggravate the endometriosis. So, yeah, I had a nine-month reprieve, even though I was pregnant. So you've got other challenges while you're pregnant, obviously. Yeah. But I had this great reprieve of not having all this pain all yeah. of the time. So pregnancy for me was quite lovely. <laughs> oh, oh. And, and then, so after pregnancy, then it came back, did it? It did, during all of this period, and certainly after my pregnancy, yes, it did come back. Um, it resulted, I was trying again to have another child by IVF at the, about the age of 38. I felt it was like a last chance to maybe have another child, um, but the IVF failed. But it also really aggravated the endometriosis because of all of the hormones that you're oh, pumping into your body yeah. at the time. So, And it also, I ended up with fibroids and um part of your IVF journey you are injecting yourselves and you can have like an overstimulation so I had an overstimulation as well um which again aggravated the endometriosis hugely so when the IVF failed we chose not to go down that route again Right. Yeah, that would have been too much for you, wouldn't it? To... It was It was quite, a, going through IVF is a very challenging process anyway. Mm. Um, and I felt that we were very fortunate. We had one child and to put ourselves through that process again just wasn't, it wasn't healthy for yeah. us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the right, yeah, the right decision for you. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so, and after that, I was still having a lot of pain, um, swelling, heavy bleeding, all of the things that come with endometriosis. It's incredibly painful. Um, some days you feel like you can't get up. Some days you literally cannot move. You just have to lie still or find a position that's comfortable to be in. Um, and how, what part, how long for the month does that last? Is it while I, you're bleeding or all month? I used to bleed and have pain for at least three weeks of every month. Oh, wow. So it, and it, the more your endometriosis progresses, 
the more and the longer that pain is for each month as well. And of course, you're trying to raise a family, work, and just carry on everyday life because it was all I'd ever known. I'd always been in pain at this time of the month. So I just carried on. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, that, that's um, just extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, and so the operations that took some of it away, didn't they, they only work for a short period of time and then it grows back. It does come back, yes. Yeah. I, I think I very naively thought after the first operation, great, that's it. They've taken it all away. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yes, it does come back. And it came back at various rates. I think in total, I had about seven operations at different stages of my life. Um, and ultimately, after the IVF had failed, I talked to the consultant about a hysterectomy because I just felt that that was the only way to end it. Yeah. And end yeah. the pain that we I was in constantly. And of course, it's not just me going through this. My my family are going through this. My son saw me in that pain. My husband was supporting me through it, you know, and both of them are amazing. They wow. supported me every step of the way. Yeah. Um, however, at 38, 39, I was told quite often that I was too young to have a hysterectomy. It was sort of a last option rather than being an option. So at every step you weren't listened to really. No, and I felt that you, you know, I had to challenge decisions that were made. I had to challenge conversations that I was having, having at every step. Um, but I could only do that because I've got a really good support network. I think if I didn't have that support network, I think I'd have really struggled with those conversations. Yeah. And, and, and what happened then? Did, did, did they listen to you or did you have to wait? Yes. So when I was about 40 they agreed that they would take my womb out on the understanding that no periods, no pain. Hmm. And I thought, great, that's a great option. I get to keep my ovaries. I don't have to go on the HRT. This is a great solution. Wonderful. So we did that. And it did. It worked again for about 12 months, but I still had my ovaries. I was still producing hormones and therefore the endometriosis grew again. And it went to other organs because it didn't have the womb to attack. So it grew in other places. So I became to find that I was in a lot of pain again. So how did it grow? Because it's the uterine um, tissue growing outside. So was it because you had some already on your ovaries that the ovaries then started? Um, yeah, maybe. You know, I can't even answer that question. I'm really not certain. Yeah. But I think wow. because we are still producing estrogen, we can therefore still produce, yeah. uh, grow the endometriosis. Um, so one of my ovaries had become very damaged with endometriosis cysts and so forth. Mm. So they took one of my ovaries away, but left the other ovary on the understanding that it would still produce the hormones that I needed to ensure that I didn't need to go on HRT at that stage. And the same happened again. The ovary that was left was massively overstimulated. Oh, no. I went through the whole endometriosis pain again, but I also grew huge cysts in and on the inside and the outside of one of my ovaries to the point where it was just, it was unbearable at this point. I think I'd had enough as well, to be honest yeah. with I'm not surprised, my word, <laughs> golly. I was like, it's please, a lifetime. Yeah. please take this out. Yeah. Um, but I did do a lot of research first, looked at HRT, looked at how it would affect me, 
and even weighing up all of the pros and cons, it was it was the best thing to do for me. Right, so you had the the final ovary removed. Had the final ovary removed and the rest of the endometriosis was taken away at that time as well. So that was just over two and a half years ago. Right. And it was it was life changing. Oh. And not not in a negative way. Um going into the menopause was challenging. Um, because of course it's a medical menopause. So you you literally wake up and you are in the menopause so it was challenging I'm not suggesting that it wasn't at all however I was pain-free wow that must have been just life yeah as you said life completely life-changing yeah Yeah, it was um there was a there was a quite a decent recovery period um after the full hysterectomy and also sort of mentally quite challenging as well straight into the menopause um I didn't find it easy to start with. Um, I was very tired. I was emotional. I did wonder if I'd ever find myself again. Yeah. I think uh, I didn't feel like myself after the operation. So w- when you go through um, a medical menopause like that, so the the medical, um, the doctors know that you're going to be in menopause when that last ovary is removed. Yeah. Are you... Um, prepared for that before the operation do they talk to you about what's going to happen how you'll feel do they talk to you about what you need to do um what you need to go on or what your options are not hugely in my case I didn't have a lot of guidance from the consultant not that he was an awful consultant he was a lovely consultant and he was taking on board everything that I had said and agreed to do the surgery so that was great yeah um but no there wasn't a huge conversation about going into a medical menopause and the difference between a medical menopause and an ordinary menopause that you grow into. Um, And there was certainly no support afterwards. Um, I had to bring my GP to get additional support afterwards. So it was very much treated as a medical procedure. And once you were out of that medical procedure, you were then handed back to your GP. Oh, wow. So you effectively, one day you had hormones and then I guess after you came out of hospital, they'd worked their way through and you had no None. hormones. No, yeah. Female hormones. Wow. Yeah. So well, what did that feel like for the first? Did, did they put you on HRT straight away or did you? No, no, they didn't. Um, I didn't start taking HRT for about four weeks after the operation. Um, and that was mainly because after the operation, I just didn't feel well enough to have that conversation yeah um and to think about what I needed to do um I was recovering from surgery um I woke up feeling very different I felt like a completely different person pain-free was the plus side of it yeah um but the negative side of it was I'm in the menopause does this mean that I am old does this mean that I'm done (laughs) And was that the site? Was the psychology the worst part of it, or were the actual how you felt physically? Was that? It was definitely. I think more the psychology of it. Those first few weeks, it was, it was quite a challenge for me to get up and say, right, I'm going to deal with this, and phone the doctor and talk about HRT. And it wasn't until I spoke to my GP that she explained to me what, I mean, a great woman and I'd be forever grateful to her. 
she explained to me that a medical menopause is very different to a natural menopause. You are headfirst into the menopause. You are incredibly tired. And she was absolutely correct. I've never known being exhausted like I could literally sit down and fall asleep anywhere. And that's never happened to me before in my life. And she was very understanding. And she rang me on a daily basis to make sure that, A, I wasn't going back to work because it was too soon. And B, that I was just looking after myself. Yes. Oh, well, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's It is. I mean, great care. Completely invaluable, isn't it? And I know not everybody's fortunate enough to have a great GP or a GP that they can even get an appointment with these days. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And so did you gradually find your way to find, you know, getting the right balance of hormones and getting back to you? Yes, absolutely. This, um, as far as I'm concerned, this is absolutely a new me. I was given the HRT. It's taken a couple of years to find the right balance. Um, I've discovered that I'm not very tolerant to progesterone, for instance. I can't have too much um, estrogen because it could encourage the endometriosis to grow again. So I have to be very careful how much I take. Um, So I have found that balance, but it's not been easy. Um, There are not many services out there that are... HRT specialists and unfortunately where I am um, the area the country that I'm based in the HRT specialist I discovered when I got my appointment and turned up at the clinic is actually in an STI clinic oh (laughs) which was a bit of a surprise I'll be honest that's extraordinary yeah so this was the only person that was able to take my bloods advise on HRT because they were the specialist in the area and they were the only person that I could get testosterone prescribed from and why you can't do this through your GP it just stuns me I have no idea why you can't do all of this somewhere where you are comfortable so you had to go to an STI clinic to get hormones yes and blood tested I absolutely did on and that's part of the NHS yes that does not make sense. It doesn't. And I was honestly, I I did find the funny side to it, but I was a little bit mortified <laughs> when I turned up. All your neighbours see you <laughs> coming at. Absolutely. <laughs> Wave at them. I know. I stood at the desk and I was like, I'm here for the HRT clinic. You know, I was yeah. like, oh my Just goodness. in case anyone's in doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we laugh, but that is extraordinary. And is that still the case now? As far as I know, yes. That's the only place I can get testosterone prescribed from. My GP can't prescribe that for me. I, I, I don't understand that. That has left me speechless. Goodness. Maybe it's different in other areas, but that's what I found. I know I spoke to the nurse at my GP practice and she even said, I'm going to go and do a HRT course because this is ridiculous. Yes, because a lot of them are doing HRT courses, aren't they? The medical, the GPs and the nurses, and then you can be seen in the surgery, which yeah. is which would be so totally much more comfortable. The right way, yes. Yeah, I can't believe that. Wow, you have been on a journey. And, and so now, where you are now, do you feel fine? I do. I absolutely do. I... I have, I mean, I suppose this isn't for everybody, but I changed my job. I've 
started a completely different career path. I am working in a company and in a team that I really enjoy and I'm working part-time, which is wonderful. And I'm having a great time. I've got lots of energy. I have taken up hobbies, which I'd given up because I didn't have time to do them. And I was also in a lot of pain and I didn't feel like I could do them. So yeah, I feel like I've absolutely got my life right where I want it to be. Brilliant. I mean, that's, it's a difficult story to listen to from the point of view that you spent so much of your life trying to get assistance yeah, and you, you didn't. So it feels like you've been failed at many levels. So it's wonderful to hear that you are now where you should have been, you know, earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there are a lot of women who are suffering with endometriosis. And I, I honestly don't believe that they get seen too fast enough, just as when we are going through our perimenopause and menopause stages, it feels like it's the last resort to give us the help that we'd really like. I think we're offered some alternatives that sometimes we don't want to accept. Um, not everybody wants to put hormones into their body. No, no. Well, especially if it's going to exacerbate what you already have. Yeah. If you don't get the balance right. Yeah, and absolutely. What, what, what um, it was interesting when you were talking about coming you know, around after the operation, the final operation, um, when you'd had your last ovary removed, is the psycholo- psychological impact. Because we, we know the impact of the hormones, you know, there's the, the millions of symptoms. But the psychological impact of the menopause, I don't think we talk about as much. And it is quite, it gets to the core of being a woman, I think, because it is that, it's that thing about aging, isn't it? And It is. And that stereotypical image that we have of somebody in menopause still, you know, hot, flustered, maybe not coping as well as they were previously. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, it's if you can take the positives. I mean, you've, you've had many positives of it, you know, many more than any other people will have because of, the you know, you're pain-free. But did it take you a while to, or how long did it take you to get to in your head where you felt comfortable that you were now in menopause? Um, I'd say after the opera, after my final operation, I'd say within three to six months, right? I was quite happy. Yeah, I was in the menopause. Yes, I get forgetful sometimes. Yes, I may have the odd hot flash. Yes, sometimes I just have to stop and think, Do you know what, I'm going to have a day just for me today. Yeah, but. Yeah. I think throughout your life, whether you're in menopause or not, I think those are good things to prioritise yourself occasionally. We don't do it very often, do we? (laughs) No, we don't as women. We're very bad. So, yes, I think that's probably the body's way of telling us, isn't it? Just slow down a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, for me, menopause has been more positive than negative, without a doubt. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you're the first person on the podcast I've spoken to who has gone into a medical um, menopause. And it, it is interesting how you, you have the procedure, but the, then you get handed over to the GP and you don't get the consultation because it would be nice to feel 
that you would have a, have a consultation before the procedure so that you have a greater understanding of how you feel when you wake up and the, you know the following weeks of recovery so because it's always easier to experience something if you're a little bit forewarned of, as to how you're going to feel and I hope yeah I mean yours was only was that two and a half years ago that it I hope was. things are changing because a lot's changed in the menopause world since then and I do hope there is a bit more counseling pre um yeah I would hope so yeah I would really hope so I think with all the awareness around the menopause over the last couple of years I would hope that that is different it may be that different hospitals have got different procedures as well so yeah that pre-warning would have been nice I read upon the menopause I knew I'd have to take HRT if that was my choice Um, I knew I would have side effects but I don't think I was quite prepared for mentally how I felt I felt quite weary mentally afterwards um and I'd never, I've never ever suffered from depression. I'm quite a get on with it kind of person. And I think I felt quite depressed yeah. afterwards. Um, but no, since I spoke to the GP, got my HRT sorted, I do feel like this is the new me. And if I had had this opportunity 20 years ago to be pain-free, would I have done it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a, it's a lovely story in the end, but a hard story to listen to in terms of you know, the pain that you've been through over your life. But it's got a, a wonderfully happy ending, and that's delightful. And, and thank you so much for sharing, us, sharing that with us, because if there are any other people listening who are experience, experiencing endometriosis or have possibly going into a medical menopause. I think, you know, it's an inspiring story because it all it's all okay in the end. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. I think that women have a very changeable journey throughout our lives, don't we, Annie? You know, we, we, we are young women, then we have our periods, then we may go on to have families and then the perimenopause and menopause. We've got such different needs throughout the whole journey of our adult life that maybe we need to tailor all of the things that we need to help us get through those journeys at different stages in our lives. And whether that be through support from your family and friends or through the support from the place where you work, I think the more awareness we have, the easier it will be for everybody else. Exactly. And then I think if it's the the whole point of setting up this podcast was for women to share their stories so that other women would learn and maybe not have to go through as much as we did because we're maybe hopefully providing some shortcuts. I hope so. I really hope so. And do not ever feel afraid to challenge what you are told. The GP, as wonderful as your GP is and as wonderful as your consultant is, they don't know your body as well as you do. So do challenge it. Do educate yourself. Go and find that information and, and challenge it and make sure you feel comfortable with the answers that you're being given. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Natasha, and telling us your story. Oh, thanks, Annie. It's been great talking to you. Lovely talking to you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Menopause Buddies. If you'd like to be on the Menopause Buddies podcast, please email me on annie at menopausebuddies.co.uk.